There is a library that exists at the nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. everyone. Welcome to the Eternity Archives. We are between arcs right now, so it's tea time. Today we'll briefly be discussing a few games that we think are really cool, but for whatever reason wouldn't work on the podcast. I know I have a couple that I really want to rave about, and I'm sure my co-hosts feel the same. So let's quickly introduce ourselves, and then we'll dive right into the discussion. My name's Dorka, my pronouns are she, her, and these are my co-hosts. Hi, my name is Ziva, and my pronouns are also she, her. Uh, my name is Bappy, and my pronouns are they, them. All right. Does anyone have any strong feelings about who goes first? I'm still processing how to explain mine so you guys can go first. <laughs> yeah. How about we put you, like, right in the middle? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that that sounds perfect. good. A, a big confusion sandwich, and you guys are my <laughs> bread. <laughs> um, I would like to go first, if that's okay, Dorka. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, so the first game that I want to talk about today is a game that I've heard really, really great things about um, and a game that um, really just like hits all my buttons. And it is the game Stewpot Tales from a Fantasy Tavern by Takuma Okada on Itch. And it's a game that's designed um, for um, three or more players. It's based around the players being retired adventurers who then work together to run a tavern and all settle down together and uh, get used to a sort of a calmer pace of life. There's a lot about this game that would actually really work well for the podcast. Like it's designed to do um, shorter sessions. Um, it's designed for um, for three players, which would work well with us and a guest. But there's a couple things about it that I think are really charming and awesome, but that don't necessarily work for us. And one of the biggest things, of course, is that it's really non-conventional in terms of structure. It's really based around like you were an adventurer and now like you're settled down and you go through and you know you make your tavern and you talk about like uh, making friends with the NPCs and um, and just sort of going through these like quiet homey cozy little um, scenarios with your friends. I was really attracted to this game, both because I've heard a lot of really good things about it, but also because I love non-conventional heroes, um, as you might have noticed by the fact that that's like exactly how I play Linda is this very non-conventional hero. And so for me, the idea of like, you know, you were an adventurer and now you're doing things differently and you're still having adventures, they're just like much smaller scale. Um, I just find that very like charming and sweet and it it really interests me. And of course, it still brings in a lot of that like high fantasy setting that I'm a huge fan of. I love Lord of the Rings type fantasy nonsense. And so this like slice of life setting is really, really interesting. But unfortunately, it's really hard to match to sort of the more epic tone of the Eternity Archives like universe. Um, wow, I feel really pretentious referring to it as the Eternity <laughs> Archives universe. Um, but but it is true, right? That like like we're building this like larger universe and larger story. And um, it would not maybe be very interesting for our listeners if we dropped 
Rilla and Linda and Zen in and we said, all right, now you're running a tavern. That's it. <laughs> like it'd be a good like filler anime episode, right? Like yeah. it's just like, okay, you guys have a mission in this tavern. And we're just like, okay, where's the anomaly? What are we supposed to do? And it's just like, we're just, there's just a family who is falling on some hard times. Or here's an adventurer who's full of spirit and needs some guidance. And it's just like very cute. That sounds incredibly wholesome. Right? Like, it's just like, uh, yeah, there's no anomaly. You guys are good at helping people, right? Just uh, <laughs> just go just down do and that. be friendly. Yeah, yeah. Just, just do your thing, you fucking weirdos. <laughs> yeah, this, this game is exactly wholesome. That's like exactly the right word to describe it. And so... I would definitely say that if if that's a if that's something that appeals to you, check it out. It's very like familiar um, and very straightforward. Um, it's one of those more like improv based games, but the the prompts are um, written out enough that it's like relatively easy to pick up and learn. And it's I think shows off a lot of the stuff about the indie scene that I really love, which is like a game like Stewpot like never would have been published by a publisher like Wizards. But like you can go on itch and you can buy directly from the developer and you can play this like nice cozy little game about a little slice of life in a high fantasy universe. So I love the concept. It would be an awesome filler. We could never, ever make an arc out of it, I feel like. <laughs> um, but I, it's definitely on my list of games I would love to play at some point. I don't know. Maybe we'll play it off offline. We can just get together and hang out and play it and, and report so back or something. We're going to play it, but y'all will never hear it. Yeah, yeah, you don't get a listen unless you pay me $8,000 a month. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Durka, do you want to tell us about one of your games? Yeah, um, I'm going to take a hard turn away from Wholesome here. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the Alien RPG uh, by uh, Free League Publishing. They're best known for Tales from the Loop, which is a um, best-selling RPG using the Year Zero engine. And this also uses that same engine. And it is based on... Uh, it isn't based. It is a licensed product of the <laughs> Alien movies. And this one's cool because it has two game modes. So it has cinematic play, which is basically pre-made scenarios that are meant to have like the feel of a movie. They're designed to be played in a single session and have like high stakes and fast and brutal play. And then there's campaign play, which is designed for longer continuous play that lets you kind of explore the alien universe in a more sandbox style. But honestly, like based on the rest of the game, that doesn't sound like as cool and interesting a cinematic play. Obviously, this is a horror, a space horror game. Um, The book is beautifully illustrated and very atmospheric, and there are several pre-made cinematic scenarios available. The basic rules, it's pretty standard. You have attributes, you have skills, there are detailed combat rules. When you roll, you basically create a dice pool based on your skills and your attributes, and a six is a success. You also gain stress as you go. Stress allows you to add more dice to your pool because it's representative of you being more alert and desperate. But if you roll a one on your stress die, you have to make a panic roll, which can cause a variety of other effects like screaming, lashing out, running and hiding, increasing the stress of everyone around you, and just (laughs) horrible things. And obviously there are aliens. And if you've ever played Alien Isolation, which I super recommend, even though I've never actually finished it, it's kind of like that. Like most of the time you can hurt the alien and cause it to retreat, but you are not likely to kill it. This is a survival horror game and you are not the biggest badass in the room. 
There are also rules for opposed rules. Every character has their own goals and motivations, specifically in cinematic play, which can result in characters turning against each other, making this one of those rare games where PvP is likely and encouraged. So I'm obsessed with this game and its atmosphere and its super cool modules. Uh, the campaigns give you pre-made characters, maps, detailed scenarios, which in theory should make it easy to pick up even for a first-time GM. But I don't think it would work on the podcast. The cinematic scenarios do rely on you using their characters. And just in general, it's a brutal game that your character is not guaranteed to survive. So if you want one of us to kill like Linda or Rill or Zen, (laughs) we might play Alien. Um. (laughs) Some more questionably canning holiday specials or something. Yeah, who knows? I might get eager enough at some point to just make it work for a session of campaign play. But I think overall, just like the tone and the darkness of it does not necessarily make it a real good fit. Specifically because, again, I think the cinematic play is the coolest part of that. And that's not meant to work with original characters. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, content here for, like games we could do maybe as like not with the t gang you know like side side episodes or something like that yeah maybe like asides with some of our network siblings stuff like that oh, yeah oh, that'd yeah, be that'd cute be fun. yeah yeah that uh that game sounds rad as hell honestly <laughs> so if you're listening network siblings hit us up yeah yeah come, come or if anyone wants to pay us eight thousand dollars a month um i'll do anything <laughs> All right, so I guess I'll go next. Breaking the trend of games that we could play as side episodes, I'm going to introduce a game that I it's just there is so much to it. I don't know if we could even play it as a side side episode. So this game is called Invisible Sun by Monty Cook Games. To sort of give a TLDR as to why I am having trouble kind of putting into words how to explain this concisely, I watched a quote-unquote brief overview of The Invisible Sun on YouTube, and it was a 48 minute long video, and I still don't really know how to play this game. So, so it's a surreal fantasy game. Uh, it's very like weird and abstract, and just kind of like I feel like being confused is kind of part of the charm. But basically, there's different realities, sort of. Uh, so there is the shadow, which is like our world, like human Earth world. And then there's the actuality, which is like kind of like a parallel existence. And it is like the true reality. It's like a Matrix sort scenario. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And so what happens is, you know, you as a person realize for whatever reason that this is the shadow. This is not the real world. And you kind of move back into the actuality. And so that's like the very, very basic premise of this game. Um, what makes it very confusing and, and very convoluted and why the world building is just very interesting because it, it is so incredibly in depth is that so the, the title of the game, Invisible Sun, is a setting in the game where, which is where all magic comes from. And there's actually like nine suns in this game. Yeah, I will say, I will also say this. So I got this on bundle of holding. And so one, there's like four books. <laughs> and then, uh, there's all the other stuff, which is more books. A bunch of cards, maps, a game board, 
uh, uh more maps <laughs> like tokens it's almost like a board game almost because there's like a mechanic called like a Sue's deck and you can like draw cards and you put them down on the game board and that will actually affect the kind of schools of magic like so one might enhance the green school of magic which is like life or whatever but then it might like decrease the potency of like gray magic which is honestly i don't remember what what that is specifically oh my god <laughs> so yeah like this map thing has like the overarching world map of like the continent or whatever that you start in which is the um the indigo sun and so there's there's like i said there's nine suns there's the silver sun the green sun the blue sun the indigo sun the gray sun uh the pale sun the red sun and the gold sun and all these kind of different realms make up the actuality and then like each one kind of like represents its own school of magic and represents like some kind of concept like i mentioned green is life silver is creation invisible is magic it's a source of all magic like it just sounds very cool and also like the art is very cool like it's very um as I mentioned, it's like very surreal. There's even like uh, in the bundle holding thing I got, it was a there's like an art book attachment. And so like a lot of the art here, you know, there's like a hold on, let me find the one that I'm thinking of. You know, we can't show them art on the podcast. I, right? Yes. Th yes. I'm trying to describe. I'm going to describe <laughs> what it is. Paint us a word picture of a regular picture. Yes. Yes, yes. So it's so like here you can imagine kind of like a Victorian type town. It's like in the middle of the road. So there's lots of different people in kind of old timey ish clothes, uh, like industrial era clothes. But there's like a person who's wearing like a black outfit cloak type thing. But there's like tentacles coming out of their feet or there's a person who has like a balloon head that has like a skull in it there's like a newsboy crier but their head is just like a goldfish and then like in the setting you can in like in the background you see like eyeballs floating around and like a zeppelin and the there's like a gaping mouth with teeth coming out of like the sidewalk so it's like very like kind of creepy you know unsettling like surrealism surreal fantasy and and there's also like one of the four books is kind of like the setting uh, and whatnot and lots of it's just like uh this is here's a passage here so it's form versus essence in the actuality we realize that essence is everything and form is meaningless in shadow you might have been caught up in such trivialities but here we look for meaning the idea of a thing is far more important than the thing itself and then like if you go down a bit Ideas are potent. They shape the world. Form is at best the emergent result of the changes wrought by essence. A crafter's skill isn't in the result of their work, but in their knowledge, understanding, and creativity. The idea is always bigger than the result of the idea. Form doesn't last. Essence never dies. And so, like, there's, like, this, this setting book is, like, explaining how, like, the structure of reality works in the actuality versus, like, in shadow, the, the real world, quote-unquote, or not real world as it may be so wait there's a whole book just for the setting yes holy shit yes um it, there's a lot like like i mentioned there's like a board that you played on there's like a deck of cards i haven't even gotten to like the quote-unquote classes but basically there's like different schools of magic and then there's like the different orders attached to them and how you play this game is it's meant to be like very cinematic and narrative. So there isn't actually like necessarily an overarching plot. What it is, is that you make your character and your character has goals. And that is what drives the story. And it's just up to the GM to sort of facilitate how everyone in the group's goals kind of like come together and you sort of decide the story that way. And, and there's also like things where I can't remember the phrase for it or the term, but there's like 
I think it's side seams or something like that. But basically, you kind of have like a one-on-one time with your GM to sort of like the way they described it in the in the video was basically like in a TV show. Sometimes like a character will break away and like do their own thing and like. It's meant to sort of like facilitate that kind of like if the character needs something to sort of move along the plot, but like other people don't have to be involved in it, then it's they don't want to take away table time from everyone by like going off for 15 minutes uh, while everyone is like there and just like you're just having this one character do their own thing. And like I said, there's a lot and I know a lot of it is because I'm like long winded as fuck, but it's just like I haven't even gotten to like the dice mechanics, but like... (laughs) They're pretty straightforward, actually. Basically, they you have D10s, that's the main dice, and you kind of have modifiers that are based on, one, the Soothcars that I was talking about, the ones where if you, like, draw it and it's on the board, it will either, it will up one school of magic or decrease another school of magic, and that, like, adds to your roll. The spell level, the spell you're casting will add to your roll. And so there's, like, a challenge... That is 1 through 10, but can go up to 17. And then sort of like all these other modifiers will decrease the challenge. So for instance, if there was a challenge of 8 or whatever, and then you had something that gave you a bonus of 4, it actually like subtracts it. So instead of having to roll like your d10 plus 4 to beat the challenge, you actually would do... 8 minus 4 and roll a 4 on the d10 and that's how you would succeed. And I guess their reasoning for that was like there's a chance to add other dice from your pool, other die from your pool because you have like uh, a side pool of magic or whatever and so you can like, you know, roll multiple d10s and it's just apparently it's just, you know, it's easier to be like, okay, here are my d10s. Did I roll a 4 on any of them? It versus like here are my d10s. Let me add 4 to see if I beat the challenge, which makes I guess makes sense, but I think it's just like so different from most other games that it's like a little there's like that initial hurdle of like wrapping your head around that, I guess. Yeah. This sounds like the magic equivalent of Lancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds super thoughtfully crafted and it sounds like it was it's made for like a very very specific subset of players like people who are like I want like a really detailed really thought out magic system but it also sounds incredibly beginner unfriendly. Yeah, no, it is like so there's so much to it. Honestly, I, when you know, we kind of introduced the idea of like let's talk about a game we want to play. And I was like, "Oh, I remember I bought Invisible Sun on Bundle of Holding. Let me look into this because I I thought it was really cool. And it is really cool. The concept is super awesome. Uh, And then I was like, oh, man, I should have like blocked out half a day to like read more into this so I could explain it better. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that's one of the reasons why it would not be good for the podcast is because one, it is very like in depth. There is a lot. There's there is a built out world here. And it's very cool, very interesting. If you get a chance, definitely read up on it. Or like, I think the Monty Cook people, they have an actual play of it. Um, Don't know if that like finished completely or is ongoing or whatever. Two, even though they do their best in the EPUB version to facilitate all the um, physical aspects of it, like they give you the game board, they give you the cards, all the different cards, you can like print them, whatever. And there's definitely ways to facilitate that through online play. You can post screenshots or whatever. That obviously is a little bit more difficult and takes more time out of play when we have to like describe the art and and what is going on and whatnot. And then I can't remember, I think this is my third point, is that this is like 
meant to be more of a long-term cinematic, at least the way they described it to me, it sounded like a fantasy procedural drama almost, right? Like you're supposed to be hitting beat by beat, very character driven versus like overarching world plot. I mean, like eventually you will get there with any story, but like that's not something we could do in like eight hours and then like (laughs) split the episode up or whatever. It's probably like several months our discussion portion alone would be... Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Very cool world. Very cool world building. Very detailed. Uh, Nitty gritty. Would take forever. It'd be like Invisible Sun for like a, a year. <laughs> if we ever did that. So the other one that I want to talk about today is Shadowrun by Catalyst Game Labs. Shadowrun is one of the major, major players in like prestige tabletop games. Um, It was created in 1989. It is still actively in print and undergoing revision. It's right up there with like D&D and Pathfinder um, and maybe even things like GURPS in terms of the fact that it's like classic. It's one of the first systems lots of people pick up. Um, It's a system that people tend to like be very ride or die about. And it's, it's very popular. There's a lot of like Shadowrun video games and Shadowrun books. And me personally, I think it's really interesting. It is like a cyberpunk slash urban fantasy. So you can have like hackers that are elves and um, like cyber wizards that are trolls and stuff like that. It's like really interesting. Um, I'm very, very picky with my urban fantasy. I like it to do something really different. And so the fact that it's like snow crash, like by way of urban fantasy is just like, I think really, really fascinating. But there are a couple things about Shadowrun that are um, incredibly difficult to learn and to to sort of adapt for the podcast. One of the biggest ones, I think, um, is that um, the systems are pretty complicated um, and then there's a lot of them. Um, So like the magic system is quite a bear to learn. Um, There's a lot of stuff in there and it's very different than like a typical D&D system that um, we at least as podcasters are more used to. There's also um, multiple layers of the universe. Um, So there's like the main reality. And then there's also, um, and this is actually in there, it's called the matrix and it's their internet. (laughs) Um, And so because it's like, um, like cyberpunk, like hacking different parts of the internet and getting into different subsystems um, is a really important part of play. And so in order to do a good job with Shadowrun, um, you have to really be able to show off, you know, the magic well, the regular combat well, the universe well, and then also this hacking component. And so it's an incredible amount of work um, and an incredible amount of stuff to talk about. It's like trying to explain D&D to someone who has no grounding in like Tolkien or like classic fantasy tropes, just in terms of like where we would have to start because the lore in Shadowrun is really, really interesting, but it's also um, really in-depth. Some of the other things that make it really hard to talk about um, is that there's five editions and over those editions, they've actually made really significant changes, not just in terms of gameplay, but also in terms of the universe. So like um, in some editions of Shadowrun, the hackers are called Deckers, um, but then there's some editions where they just completely get rid of that and just call them normal hackers. And so the way that you talk about Shadowrun is really dependent on the edition. So you have to make sure that you're choosing the correct edition and explaining what is different about that edition. What's a normal hacker versus a not normal hacker? Some people go inside the internet. Yes. What? what? <laughs> 
Shadowrun is weird. The Matrix rules especially change per every edition. Like they change a lot between editions. And um, also, this is not like a huge problem for the podcast, but it does make play slightly more difficult. Shadowrun has 20 million dice. They're mostly <laughs> D6s, but sometimes you have to roll like 70 of them. Like it's no ma'am. It's it's no uh, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that has been um, improved by like dice rolling, um, like discord bots and things like that. But Oh, man, it would be audio poison. You'd just constantly be like, roll for, you know, roll for initiative. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just like, uh, tune in to our Shadowrun arc, which is just 50% dice ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> I have some personal experience with this. One of our friends decided to run a Shadowrun in-person game for us once, and we were really excited about it. We all made really cool characters. The plot sounded really cool. And then we got into our first combat, and one of our buddies had to roll 40 dice to figure out his defense rating. And after that, we were kind of just like, let's play some D&D. <laughs> <laughs> you roll one. One to two dice. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think Shadowrun is like it's sort of like a white whale for me. I so want to play it on this podcast because it sounds so interesting. And I think it's like Pathfinder or D&D. It's like played such a big role in terms of where tabletop is today that it feels like we almost have to like we have to like make our it would pilgrimage. Be a public service. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> um, but the only way I feel like we could really do it would be to play the beginner box, which has really simplified rules and doesn't include like a lot of the matrix stuff that makes the game really unique. Um, and so I feel feel like that would not be the best way to cover it. I feel like that would be a great way to like teach a new player before you started your main campaign. Um, but I don't feel like it's necessarily the best fit for the podcast. And I feel like I'd have to just have a huge asterisk the whole time. Like, look, I don't know that much about <laughs> about Shadowrun outside <laughs> of this beginner box. So I'm sorry that this is not like the best representation. And I'm sorry that there's things that we're leaving out. So yeah, it's it's like, uh, I know we're supposed to be teaching you how to play this game. But honestly, I don't really know how to play this game. So yeah, this is definitely a game where I feel like we would benefit from having a guest GM come on. Um, yeah. But anyway, so this is this is something that um, hope maybe we'll cover at some point. I would really love to, um, but obviously there's some difficulties. So um, I guess if Shadowrunner drops in your feed, then uh, it's cause for celebration. We'll we'll pop some some big bottles of bubbly of choice. Alternatively, we can have a video stream of just a video cast episode <laughs> of me playing one of the many copies of Shadowrun in my Steam library that I have bought, and of course <laughs> never touched because why else do you buy games on Steam? They're there for decoration in this digital landscape <laughs> kind of like uh what hacking and shadow run sounds like except not at all anyway uh, again if any of our network siblings are listening to this and you would like to gm some shadow run please help us you're yeah. our only hope <laughs> yeah teach us teach us how to um deck i yeah i don't know <laughs> enough about shadow run well darka do you want to um, do you want to finish this off by uh by telling us about your other game yeah, I think we have time for one more. So I want to talk about Dialect, which is a game by Thorny Games, which is a studio specializing in quirky and thoughtful games about language and cryptography. Dialect in particular is a game about how language is created and how it dies. It's very thoughtful and introspective and honestly tragic. 
So this game is meant to be played in one session. You play members of an isolated community over a long period of time, and there are basically setting prompts in the book for what sort of community you could be. So they have stuff for like a colony on Mars, a queer artist community, a post-apocalyptic enclave, and some stuff that's real out there, like a wolf pack and some stuff that's a little more grounded. So this game is less about your characters and more about the language and the community. So once you decide what your isolated community is, you pick core aspects of that community, values that bind you together. And then there are three major rounds over which you use like root words and concepts, which are provided by a deck of cards to form new words. So some are like compound words, combined and shortened and given new meaning. Some are adaptations of existing words with meanings that have sort of changed over time to meet the context. But so you basically take turns creating these words, and then you play out a short scene between two characters to use and solidify the word. And after each round, the community changes in more and more significant ways. And by the end of the final round, the community is absorbed into the wider world and the unique dialect is lost. So this is a tragic game, and that's by design. The developers are making a point here about how languages are constantly lost as cultures that use them are assimilated. So obviously this wouldn't really work on the podcast, just because, mostly because it doesn't follow the format of a typical RPG. Uh, it also has like the cards. It's really meant to be played more with like three to five people sitting around a table, like writing down these words together. And also it wouldn't work on the podcast because again, it's not really focused on the characters. I actually have like the physical book and deck of cards for this. I got it back at the beginning of the pandemic, so I've never actually been able to play it. But someday I'm really excited to like sit down with some friends and see how this goes. And I'm sorry that we can't like share it with y'all in a more significant way because it just does sound really uh, tragic, but also beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think that could be also once again, good for like a side episode or something like that. It might, it'd be interesting to represent that somehow, but I think we could figure out a way, I guess. That sounds really interesting. I'm fascinated with conlangs. Uh, I think they're so, so neat. And games that involve conlangs and solving and deciphering languages are like always something that I'm really interested in. It reminds me of Heaven's Vault just a little bit. Oh, I love that game. Yeah, which is a game that you recommended to me. Oh, that's which, right. <laughs> yeah, which I think is just really, um, it's a video game on Steam. Highly recommend it if you're into conlangs and uh, like archaeology like at all. Uh, it's really interesting. But um, but yeah, I think conlangs are fascinating is the moral of the story. And so this is a game that, yeah, I would definitely love to play at some point. That is really interesting. These developers also have a game about like creating a sign language together. And they also have a game that's not available yet. They've funded it on Kickstarter, but it's not like out for everyone yet. That is about like first contact with an alien species and learning to understand their language. Oh, that sounds cute. Yeah, that sounds really that sounds really interesting. I like And that. yeah, I think tragically none of them would really work on the podcast. Yeah, oh, yes. a, a little bit too not abstract. Is abstract the right word? Like it, it, it's like conceptual kind yeah. of like not kind of grounded. It just doesn't fit the format of a typical RPG. Yeah. 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 You don't go to the tavern and meet up with adventurers and, and like get something or save somebody. So. And dialect specifically takes place over like a period of many, many years. Oh, man. That'd be like, 
Yeah, you guys got beamed down to this place to help them make language. You're stuck there <laughs> for like five years. And it's like, uh, what? <laughs> and then at the end of it, the language is lost. And yeah. it's very sad. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's depressing. That's like a, a bad end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry my games were such downers. <laughs> no, I mean, like, there's a lot of games out there that don't necessarily exist in, um, for lack of a better term, like superhero rules of like, you can fight your way through things or smart your way through things. But at the end, the good guys are always victorious, or at least they're going to be ultimately victorious, even if they have some minor setbacks. And I think that it's really easy for tabletop games to fall into those kind of superhero rules. And so it's really interesting to talk about the ones that don't, the ones that like don't fit into that archetype, that that sort of like typical hero's journey framework. Yeah, I mean, when I was thinking about Alien, I was like, Rill would be great here because you mentioned like people, you know, you're not the strongest, biggest badass on the ship or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, that's just Rill's everyday life. They know they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they they know how to scramble um, and, and hide and make themselves small. So you would just always have a ton of stress in your pool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I would be just like roll, high rolling all day. Uh, can't stop me. You're just making me more powerful because I am a <laughs> stress construct <laughs> linda's job would just be making sure the cat is in the box and then carrying it around which is the most <laughs> important part of alien is making sure jonesy is okay yes the cat but must protect dumpling yes absolutely um, <laughs> uh yeah any do you guys have any kind of final words or, or thoughts on all the uh, uh stuff that we kind of talked about we we sort of like were very polite and let people talk uh as they talked about their games so if, i don't know if people had any interjections or comments or thoughts they wanted to add well i think we're running up to the end of the time we had allotted for this but for the listeners, we'll definitely have links to all of these games in our show notes. So if any of them sounded interesting to you, uh, you should definitely go and check them out for yourself because there's a lot about them that we just didn't cover here for the sake of time. Yeah. And a lot of these are really, really great games to play. Um, just because they don't fit in a podcast format doesn't mean that they're not totally awesome to pick up and play with your friends. Yeah. And specifically our podcast format, which is yes. meant to be like little arcs. The other thing um, that I wanted to say is that just as like a little peek behind the curtain, we spend a lot of our time talking about games that seem really fucking cool and then trying to figure out if we can play them on the podcast or not. Um, so just because we didn't mention something here doesn't mean um, that we haven't, you know, seen it or haven't talked about it. Um, there are going to be some really, really cool games coming up uh, in the next chapter or two of the podcast. So uh, keep on listening. And of course, if you see something really cool, tweet it at us. Uh, we would... We would love to see your game recommendations. Um, and even if we've already seen it, we probably have thoughts and are happy to chat about it with you. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but the games after the next couple of chapters suck and are like, no, I'm just kidding. No, they're all good. They're all going to be good games. Uh, very excited. Lots of so many cool stuff coming up. We have a hard time paring it down to the games that we even do play on the podcast just because yeah. there's so much cool shit out there, you guys. The tabletop world is a constant struggle. Yeah, just like a quick thing. I know we're like at the end of our time, but if if I hadn't gone over on Invisible Sun, I would have talked about Fate of Cthulhu, which was a game I was very much trying to make work into the Attorney Archives, but just because of the like construction of that game, which is like one session or one campaign is basically like four different timelines you have to resolve. It's like that would take just way too much time, but I think it would have been like really cool that like 
They're people who are go to other realities to solve, resolve things in that reality, then have to go back and forth through time and it just be like a really big mindfuck. And Fate is a cool system, which I'm sure we will touch, but maybe not in the, you know, context of Fate of Cthulhu. And we'll link that one too, so you can find out what Bappy's talking about. <laughs> yeah. It is very cool. Okay, well, thanks everyone for listening to us on our off week. We will be back in two weeks with the start of our Wheel of Time arc, Yay. which is a lot of fun and i can't wait for y'all to hear it yeah it's uh when's a tv show come out is it soon i thought it was like this year it's it's Unclear. supposed to be but we're recording this still during pandemic time so who fucking knows okay well what your appetite for the uh tv show by listening to our podcast instead yeah yeah <laughs> all right thanks everyone thanks everybody, everybody. bye Come listen to Dice of Roll, the gayest Pathfinder podcast on the planet. We ask the hard questions like, is it morally acceptable to kiss a goblin? Is it cool to use spell slots to warm up leftovers? Would the gods be mad if I wrote slash fic about them? We're a group of four friends who play Pathfinder 2nd Edition every week and go on adventures like none other. We've just launched our brand new season, Extinction Curse, which follows the adventures of the Circus of Wayward Wonders, as they put on the greatest show in all of Galarian and uncover ancient secrets and long-forgotten foes from a bygone era. If you like circuses, clowns, and a little bit of magic, come check us out, and make sure that no matter what, you keep it rolling. Hi. Did you know you can upgrade the reactor in our ship to a toroidal Series 3 turbofan model? No. I mean, it's only slightly exploded. Look. No. <laughs> ladies, ladies, we've got a job. Oh, thank God. I don't care what it is. Just please don't veto my engines. It's some kind of advertising job for our Cosmopunk show, it looks like. Uh, but it's got to be quick. It can't be anything longer than 50 seconds. Uh, flyboy, set a timer for 50 seconds. No, we, we've already started. The timer's going to mean the damn thing. Oh, it'll give us a rough idea. Hang on, I didn't agree to be in an advert. Well, it's too late. You're already in it. Besides, it'll be over by the time you get your fat coyote butt out of the room. Hey, you're fatter than I am! Oh, stop arguing, you lot. I'll do it. <clears throat> Cosmopunk is a Starfinder actual play podcast focusing on character-driven storytelling. We're four friends from the UK, and occasionally more than four friends from not the UK. We play homebrew stories for the crew of the Lyca 7 set in Paizo's Starfinder universe. Follow the adventures of four idiot mercs as we get into trouble and the far side of space. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and check us out at Cosmopunk.net. Wow, that was actually really good. The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Bappy, and Siva. Find us on Twitter at, at @thearchivespod or online at theeternityarchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful resources. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Eternity Archives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.